Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. If you brought your Bibles this evening, open them to the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Fifth chapter of the Gospel of Luke. That's where we left off. That's where we left off. I will reiterate a few points that we've discussed previously, and then we'll continue. As I said before, I don't finish, I just quit. Pick it up where we left off, amen? <laughs> There's just so much in the Word of God, you know, concerning all these subjects, that we could just go on and on and on and on and on. And so we're going to do that for a while, specifically on the subject of divine healing. Now, we said, first of all, that the purpose for our teachings, we said we have a purpose, we said we have a reason, and we said we have a goal. Now, the purpose for these teachings on divine healing is to present to you the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ. Now, Paul says, when I come to you, I'm coming in the fullness of the blessings. And... If I take the gospel to anybody, I want to take to them the fullness of the blessings of the gospel. Don't you? I mean, I believe in preaching it all, don't you? And accepting and receiving it all. So the purpose is to present to you the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ concerning healing. The reason for our teaching, we said, was the fact that divine healing has become more of a doctrine than a reality more of a doctrine than a reality. Look around our altars. Look in the lives of people, Christian people. How many of them are really being healed? Although it's been a, a blessing provided for the church, there are many that do not obtain nor receive the rightful blessing. So it's not a reality. It's a doctrine. You know, they believe in it. But believing in it and not having it to be a reality is not going to help you, is it? So we want it to be a reality, not just a blessing that's for us, that's there, that's just become a doctrine. And thirdly, we said the goal was to produce faith in the power of God. Now, anytime we talk about the power of God, you remember that the gospel is the power of God, right? And the gospel is that Jesus Christ died for our sins and sicknesses and was raised from the dead for our justification, right? So the power is in the blood, right? So we want to produce power, that power in the blood, faith in the power in the blood of Jesus to not only free us from sin, but also from sickness and disease that tries to attach itself to our mortal bodies. Amen? And so really, that's the twofold blessings of Calvary. Not just one, but twofold. He bore your sins so that you don't have to bear them. He bore your sickness so that you don't have to bear them. Amen? Okay. First thing we looked at was the positive attitude and action of the people that came to Jesus. And the reason why we looked at this was because of the fact that if we are going to be healed of the Lord or stay healed of the Lord, it is going to take positive attitude and action on our part to touch the master. And if we look at how these people did it, we can know how we can do it. And we can know where 
God expects us to be in our faith to continually draw from that healing virtue. Then secondly, we said, we looked at the response of Jesus to their faith or to their attitude and action. And his response was, we found out that he healed them all. All those that came with a proper attitude, a positive attitude and action, they were all healed under the ministry of Jesus. I didn't say under the ministry of some other man. I said under the ministry of Jesus. We are looking at Jesus' ministry and using it as an example, right? Okay, so is not Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever? And will he always be the same? Who are you going to for your healing? You're not coming to me. You're not coming to going to another minister or man of God. You're going to Jesus. For Jesus is God's way of healing. Jesus is the power of God. Amen? He proved that when he was here on the earth. Okay. Thirdly, we talked about the law of contact and transmission. There's a law in the spirit realm, a spiritual law called the law of contact and transmission. Now, we said healing is by degree, and it's based on two conditions. Number one, we said, was the degree of healing power or virtue that is administered by either the minister or, in this case, by Jesus, and the degree of faith that is released to activate that virtue or healing power to effect a cure in that body. Now, this is the law of contact and transmission whereby there is a release of healing virtue and there is a release of faith, both working together. Now, remember, Paul said that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the what? Power of God. Now, our healing is based upon the power of God to heal, not man's wisdom. We do not speak against the medical field. I never have and I never will. I thank God for the people that they've helped, don't you? Praise God. There are many people that would have died and never learned about the healing power of God or the saving power of God if it wasn't for that field. You know, we do not belittle that field. But we do not esteem that field higher than the blood of Jesus. And our goal is to have enough faith in the power of the blood of Jesus to obtain healing and divine health so that we don't have to turn to another field. Amen. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I've been instructed of the Lord just to, on Wednesday nights, just to talk and create an atmosphere of healing here. You say, well, I'm already healed. Well, bless God. Just think of how much better you're going to be. Amen. Just think about that. Just create an atmosphere, you see, of healing continuously abiding over this place. That way those who come in, they can get it. You see, they can freely get it. Okay, now, remember, we said that there is a work of faith and power in Second Thessalonians, the first chapter. We said in verse 11, Paul talked about the work of faith and power, right? The work of faith and power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. But this working of faith and power must work according to what we've been taught through the word. Not faith in another field, not faith in another man, but faith in the power. You must touch the power. You must activate the power. You must release faith so that that faith you have in that power will work together to effect a cure or a healing in your body. Okay. 
I thank God for every testimony about every person that's healed. And, you know, we all should rejoice and be glad. But now listen to me. How about that person after he walks away? Is he going to keep his healing? Is he going to stay free from sickness and disease after he walks away? Or does he just get one healing and then have to suffer sickness and disease for the rest of his life? See, I'm not opposed to um, any ministry that's going to get anybody healed. But we have to stop and think about this fact. Once we get them healed, are we obligated to teach them how to remain and stay healed and to keep their healing? There's never been a problem with God healing. The body of Christ knows that God's he God heals. Anybody that's especially filled with the Spirit knows that God heals. And if anybody had any sense, everybody would know that God heals. See? But, just because we know that He heals, we also need to understand and know that God can keep you from being sick. I don't just want to come and get my healing and walk off. Because let me tell you about the danger of this. There's a danger in the life of every individual that comes and receives something from God and walks off without ever learning anything more about it. And that danger is hardness of heart. Once the Father does something for you, to whom much is given, much is expected. Okay? It's expected of me, once I've been healed by the Father, to put my nose into His Word and to diligently dig deep into His Word so I can obtain a way whereby I can continuously flow with His healing plan so that I stay healed and remain healed. Not just get it one time or two times, but flow in it, walk in it. Now, over here in the fifth chapter, <clears throat> we were looking at verse... Well, we looked at the whole verse 12 right on down through 24... 25, right on through 26. And we explain some things here in Luke's gospel, but I want to point out and show to you so we can pick up right here where we left off, verses 17 and 24. It's very important because we're talking about faith and power. Now remember, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with what? who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. He anointed him with the Holy Ghost and what? The word power is dunamis. 1411 in your strongest concordance. Remember we said that? <laughs> okay, dunamis. Miracle working power. Jesus was anointed with that power. Do you think that Jesus is any less anointed with that miracle working power today? At the right hand of the Father? No! Bless God. No. He's the same Jesus. The only thing that seems to have changed, uh, it, to my understanding, is not Jesus or God the Father or God the Holy Spirit, but man in his approach to God. Man has been swayed into thinking that these other areas, these other fields, medical science, Christian science, mind science, religions, are ways that God has provided for healing. I beg your pardon. No, no. If God provided that field to be His way of healing, He wouldn't have waited 4,000 years to put it into exist existence. And He would not create something that is so destructive and so much based on 
practice, like practicing medicine. You're going to turn your body over to somebody who's going to practice on you. That's like somebody's on a tennis court. What are you doing? Just practicing. What are you going to do with that body? I'm going to practice on this one. Wait a minute, friend. That's my body. You want to practice, you find somebody else or an animal or something. Don't practice on me. Amen. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, if that was God's way, wouldn't have he perfected it? Sure he would have. Let me say this. And I know I'm going to maybe step on some toes, but that's all right. Listen to me. If that were God's way, how come every time I go to the hospital and try to witness to somebody and show them how to get healed divinely, they want to kick you out and they don't believe in God? And how many percent of them are actually against the work of God? Don't even believe in God. Now, if that's God's way and he wants to use that as his means whereby to help his children, I think he'd put somebody in there that at least acknowledge his healing power. Wouldn't you? Now, I'm not trying, as I said, speak against anything. I'm just bringing to you the facts. I must bring to you the truth. I'm not going to hide the truth from you. I must reveal to you the facts that we have to face. And any field, no matter what it might be, especially in the area of the medical field, you, they'll tell you that they are just practicing this. They are trying this, experimenting on this. Well, bless God, just look at the Gospels. And everyone that came to Jesus, he didn't experiment. He knew exactly what was wrong, knew exactly what to do. And he's not changed. He's the same today. He's the same forever. And if you come to him just like they came to him, he'll say, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee, if that's what the problem is. You see what I'm saying? He'll say, Son, it is my will to heal you, just like he did to the leper. Because that's what he, he diagnosed this person as having unbelief. And so he said, I will. Got rid of the unbelief, and he was instantly healed. That's right. He diagnosed this here fellow that, uh, born of Florida, taken to the palsy. He, he uh, diagnosed him as, as having a guilt complex because of his sin. So he said, Son, thy sins are forgiven thee. Arise, take up thy bed and walk. And he did. Hallelujah. You see what I'm saying? He is still the great physician. He is still the all-knowing one. And he knows how to meet the needs of every human body without going through a thousand and one odd tests. Amen? Because he knows exactly where the problem is. What do you think about that for a doctor? You walk, you walk into his office... And when you walk into his office, you know what he says? I don't have to take a hundred tests. I don't have to give you something that I think will work. You do this, and thou shalt be made whole. Now, that's what he does. Amen. But we have to be able to receive that and accept that, because he might step on your toes. You know what I mean? He may tell you to do something that you need to do, or something that you haven't been doing, like get your nose back into the Word where it belongs. Amen. <laughs> okay. Well, look at these two verses of Scripture. 17th verse. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Okay? Power. Dunamis. 14.11. Miracle working power. Ability. Now the power was there to heal them. We've already talked about that. I just want to bring this out to you and show you that the miracle working power that was there for their healing could not be activated without faith. We already discussed this 
And if you were not with us, you'll have to pick up the last tape because we talked about it on the last tape. I don't want to bring that out again. I want to go on further. Go to verse 24. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath what? Now, that's not the same word. That's not the same word. That's 1849 in your Strong's Concordance. And that's called exousia, not dunamis. And it means delegated authority. Jesus came with power and power. He came with dunamis and exousia. He came with miracle working power and delegated authority. All right. Do you see the difference between the two words? He came with miracle working power and he came with delegated authority. Both words are significant and very important. We need to understand both of the words, and I'll show you why. Look at Luke's Gospel, the ninth chapter, and verse 1. Delegated authority and miracle-working power. I mean, let's face it. If we are going to diagnose, if we are going to examine the way God healed through Jesus Christ, then we're going to have to find everything that pertains to His healing ministry. We found out that it was delegated authority to forgive sins and miracle-working power that got that fella healed and off that bed of affliction. So we need to understand that. Dunamis, exousia, miracle-working power and authority to forgive sins or delegated authority. In Luke's Gospel, the ninth chapter, then he called, verse 1, his twelve disciples together, and now listen to this, and gave them... And gave them power, dunamis, and authority, exousia. Now, as I said previously in our last teachings, I mean, why can we believe when, when a doctor gets, goes under that microscope and says, this proves that this fellow committed the crime because those are his fingerprints? Okay, and proves that this belong, this hair was his, and this particle came off of his clothing, and etc. They prove facts. We find here that Jesus had dunamis and exousia, power and authority, and by that power and that authority, he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Then we talk about the disciples and we say, well, they went out and did the same thing. But let's look at something here. He gave them. What did he give them? Uh, medicine and a bag. No. Pills and prescriptions. And again, I am not speaking against that. I'm just showing you something that you need to know. God will meet you at any level where you're at in faith. And I think it's time we just need to separate the two and put God's way where it belongs. Above man's way. Amen? I believe that. Okay, now look. He gave them dunamis and exousia. Power and authority. See, the word could have been translated power and power. But that would have been confusing. I give you power and power. So what the writers did, instead of saying dunamis and exousia, because that's the Greek, they said power and authority. So we could clarify that there's two different words, two different meanings. But can you see, if you didn't have the translation, it would just be power and power. I gave you power and power. So I gave him power and authority. Dunamis and exousia. Miracle working power and delegated authority. For what purpose, Lord, did you give them this power and authority? Look at this. I love it. Over all devils. 
Now, you ready for this last part? And to cure diseases. Oh, glory. He gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And, this is important, he sent them. A divine sending forth. And he sent them. For what purpose, Lord? To preach the kingdom of God and to do what? You say, why do you emphasize healing in your ministry? Why don't others? I'll, I'll be like Jesus. I'll answer, your, I'll answer your question with a question. Did you ever notice every time they asked Jesus a question, he answered them with a question? Who gives you a power and authority to cast us out of the temple? You answer me one question, Jesus said, and I'll answer yours. See? John the Baptist, where did he come from? They shut up. He didn't have to answer the question, did he? He answered the question with a question. He stumped them every time. He had more wisdom than they had. He had more knowledge than they had. Isn't that right? Think about that. They always, you know, he always answered their questions with questions. Because he knew more than they knew. See? Now, it says here that he sent them forth. For what purpose? To preach the gospel of the kingdom. And to heal diseases. And to cure diseases. To heal the sick. Well, did they do it? Look at verse 6. And they departed. And went through the towns. Preaching the gospel. And healing everywhere. Now, why do I emphasize healing? As I said, why don't they? Jesus emphasized healing. Every time he commissioned anybody to go anywhere and preach the gospel, he said, heal the sick. What did he give them to heal the sick with? He didn't give them a bag. He didn't give them prescriptions. He didn't give them medicine. He gave them exousia. And he gave them dunamis. I like that. He gave them dunamis and he gave them exousia and said, go preach the gospel and heal the sick. I like to carry in my bag exousia and dunamis. How about you? Glory be to God. Dunamis and exousia. What do you got in that bag there? Dunamis. If somebody was in the, you know, knowledgeable of the Greek, they'd say dynamite. I said, that's right, dynamite. Glory be to God. That's where we get our word dynamite from, dunamis. Miracle working power. Amen. And, of course, authority. Exousia. Now, he gave that to them. Now you know how they did it, don't you? They weren't somebody, were they? They had something. What did they have? Dunamis and exousia. 1849 and 1411. That's what they had. Amen. Okay, well, let's go on to the 10th chapter of the same book. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, they got results, beloved. And they got those results the same way Jesus did with dunamis and exousia. Well, over here in the 10th chapter, let's just start with verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also. And sent them two by two before his face in every city and place, whether he himself would come. Now, notice he sent them. Here's the sending forth. Now, he, he gave the others uh, authority, power and authority, and he sent them, right? Here, he sends them. 
As I said, if they could put things under a microscope and find out that these things prove out that this is true, and it's always going to work this way because, you know, of the facts, seems to me we could come to the same conclusion that if Jesus healed with dunamis and exousia and was sent by God to do so, to preach the kingdom and to heal the sick, then he sent his disciples with dunamis and exousia to preach the kingdom and to heal the sick, now the 70, he is sending them forth. It doesn't say it yet, but it will. It will, later on, what they had. Doesn't it stand to reason, and doesn't it stand to be truth, that he gave them the same power and same authority to preach and to heal when he sent them? Two and two make four. That's the way Jesus did it. That's the way the twelve did it. Notice Judas also did it. I'll give you something to chew on for a while. Judas also did it, but fell away from God. But also, he sends the 70 out. But let's go on and read, and we'll find out that he sent them out with the same power and authority. Therefore, verse 2, said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth, send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse nor strip nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever place, house you enter, first say, Peace be unto this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain eating and drinking such things as they give, for the labor is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. And in whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. Now here it is. And, he reverses the order. Heal the sick that are therein. And say unto them, The kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. He sent the twelve. Now he sends the seventy. He said, Preach the kingdom. Heal the sick. Here he says, Heal the sick and say, The kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. How did they do it? What means... Did they use to heal the sick? Look at verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I give unto you dunamis. Oh, I like that. I give unto you dunamis. Not a prescription. Not a needle. Not a bottle of pills. Again, I'm just saying. I give unto you dunamis. To tread on serpents. And scorpions. And over all the what? Oh, praise God. Praise God. All the power of the enemy. He gave them authority over all the power of the enemy. I said dunamis. That's not dunamis. That's exousia. I correct myself. I stand to be corrected. It says, I give unto you authority or exousia over all the dunamis. 
he delegated to them authority over all the miracle-working power of the devil. You know, Satan does have miracle-working power. You know that as well as I know that. We don't deny that, but bless God, you and I have authority over all the miracle-working power of the devil, and nothing that he can do shall by any means hurt you. Psalm 91.10 To give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They'll bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. You'll tread upon, you'll tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and dragon you'll trample under your feet. I give unto you authority over all the miracle working power of the devil so that you can tramp all over him and nothing that he can do will hurt you. That's what he said. Now, you ready to get excited? You've got your shouting clothes on? We're just getting started. Now think about this. That was a limited power of attorney to use the name of Jesus. Limited. It was the limited power of attorney. We don't live under that covenant, do we? We live under a better covenant established upon better promises. And bless God, we have been given not a limited power of attorney, but an unlimited power of attorney. This one had authority over all the power of the devil to cure diseases. But it did not have power to recreate a man's human spirit. It did not have authority in heaven to call upon the Holy Ghost to get that person filled with the Spirit to speak with other tongues, did it? No. You see, that power was limited. The power of attorney was limited because as of yet Jesus was not glorified and his name was not exalted. So all they had was the power, limited power of attorney, to use his name over all the works of the devil and to cure diseases in the body of man, but could not reach the spirit of man. Now, are you ready? John fourteen twelve. You got your shouting clothes on now? Hallelujah, he says here. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Now you ready? And greater works shall he do than these, you see. Because I'm going unto my Father. Now notice this word. And whatsoever. Whatsoever. What? Not just about the body. Not just about diseases. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. You shall ask anything in mine. Anything. Whatsoever and anything in my name. And I will do it. Now listen. He's saying now. I've given you the unlimited power of attorney to the use of my name that will be so far-reaching that whatever you ask, and if you ask anything in my name, I will do it for you. Unlimited. Not just power over demons, sickness and disease, but anything. Anything. Unlimited power of attorney. Now, why could he give us this? Let's go to Matthew 28. Why could he give us this unlimited power of attorney? See, this unlimited power of attorney would reach heaven. For he said, Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name? 
Ask and you shall receive that your joy might be full. Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. See, it reaches heaven. It reaches heaven. Anything you shall ask. Ask the Father in my name. It reaches heaven. You see, man back then couldn't go to the Father like we can now. They couldn't do that. They didn't have any mediator between them and God. It was as God dealt with them. But bless God, you and I have a mediator between us and the Father, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And by His name, we have the power of attorney, unlimited power of attorney, to walk into the throne of grace and receive and obtain mercy and grace in our time of need. Unlimited. Not just limited to the devil. But I want, to, I want you to note this fact. Even when it was limited, it had power over all the power of the enemy. Even when it was limited, it had power over all the power of the enemy. But now that it's unlimited power, it could reach heaven. And we have authority in heaven to walk into the throne in the presence of our Father and to claim our rights. Now here is why. Matthew 28, 18. Uh, let's start with 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain, where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now you see how it works? All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power. Go ye therefore, sending them forth. Sending them forth. He obtained all power. All power. I like that. He has now all power. And he says, all authority is mine. I have all power and all authority, and it's all in my name. Go ye therefore in my name. Go ye therefore. He sent who? Well, he's not just talking about here the eleven. You'll find out here in the same commission. Uh, well, let's, let's go here to John's gospel first and we'll show you. In John 17. See, if you'll read this in sequence, you'll find out that Jesus here is preparing for his departure. John 14, 15, 16, 17. And he closes out by praying for his saints, for the disciples. Not only for his disciples, but all those that will believe on his name through their word. Right? This is like the same closing over here we have in Matthew and Mark. Now, Jesus said, all power is mine. See, we weren't there. We were not one of the twelve when he commissioned them to go and heal the sick. Granted, I agree with you. We were not there when he gave exousia and dunamis to the 70 and said, go into the city, heal the sick and preach the kingdom. Okay? Well, where do we fit in? We're found in the last sending forth or the last commission which is given to the church, not just the disciples, not these 11. Because I'll show you right here. Look at what it says here. Let's start over here in verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. 
I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Notice the even as. He is comparing now his followers to himself. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I, even as I am not of the world. He's comparing them to himself. Our sending forth is not as the eleven or the twelve. Our sending forth is not as the seventy. You'll see what our sending our sending forth is like. Seventeen. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so. Look at even so. Hallelujah. As God sent Jesus into the world, even so send I them into the world. The same way. The way God sent Jesus into the world and anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, so send I them into the world. And you'll find this taken up in Mark's account by saying, Go ye into all the world, as I have been sent of the Father, so send I you, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Not as the twelve, not as the seventy. These signs, not just preach the kingdom and heal the sick. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name that has all power and all authority. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues, authority in heaven. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it won't harm them. They shall lay their hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. And they went after the, the Lord had spoken unto them. He was received up into heaven and sat at the right hand of the Father. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with and confirming his word with signs following in the book of Acts. A new commission. The highest authority. Authority in all three worlds in the name that's above every name to go forth to preach the gospel and to heal the sick. And all power and authority over all the work of the enemy. That's how far-reaching our authority is. Well, how are we going to do this, Lord? We have authority. Well, I want to show you something here in John 20. This should excite you. And it should explain some things to you. I believe that will help you. Verse 19, chapter 20. We are abiding in the age of the last commission. We have the awesome and privileged responsibility... Of taking the last words of the living God to this generation, to this people, before the catching away of the church. We have been divinely commissioned. Do you think he would send the twelve and the seventy with exousia and dunamis and send us 
with something less. No, beloved. They had limited authority. But bless God, we have been given the unlimited power of attorney in the name of the Son of the living God to take that name into all the world and all the authority vested in that name is at our disposal. And the dunamis, miracle, working power is working within us as it was in Jesus to affect God's work in the earth by us. No, it's not anything less. Look at what it includes. Remember Jesus said to the, the man born of four, thy sins be forgiven thee. I have authority on earth to have his sins forgiven. Look at this. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me. Even so send I you. You've got to see this is your sending. This is your commission. This is your sending forth. As he sent them forth. Even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now here is a key scripture. Whosoever sins you remit. You remit. They are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. We have such authority in the name of the Lord Jesus that we can speak His Word and have somebody's sins remitted from them. By the born-again experience. And if they will not hear, then they'll die in their sins. Jesus had authority on earth to get men's sins forgiven. He gave his disciples authority. I'll prove it to you. Acts 2. Just to show you. We'll start here and back up a little bit. Here in verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Here we have the first use of this divine given authority. Can you imagine what came out of the mouth of Peter? These are the same Jews that said, Who has power on earth to forgive sins but God? And Peter said, Repent every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Hallelujah. What authority has been given to us to have men's sins remitted from them? Why should we think it so much to have their sicknesses healed. You see how much far-reaching this is? Back up to Acts 1.8, and we'll show you, show you how. He did it. Again, now, we're, we're, we're taking these apart. You know, we're taking Mark, Matthew, Mark. We took look at Luke, John. 
And we're, we're at the end of his ministry here. He is sending them forth. Acts really picks up where, you know, Luke le left off. Luke wrote Acts, you know that. And uh, it's just picking it up. Now look at here. He's finishing like with the last chapter of Luke. He's saying, but you, verse 8, Acts 1, 8. I'll show you that your sending forth is the same as the others, as Jesus. But you shall receive what? What? Dunamis. You shall receive dunamis. Wow. Dunamis. You shall receive dunamis. After that, the what? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and dunamis. Hallelujah. You shall receive dunamis after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. And when the Holy Ghost came on them in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke with other tongues, Peter preached in the name of Jesus the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, and at the end of his preaching, he proved that he had power on earth to have their sins remitted. They were born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke with other tongues. Hallelujah. That is the power, the dunamis, miracle-working power. It was all wrapped up in the name of Jesus. It's not limited like the 70s. It's unlimited like Jesus's. In other words, his name is taking the place of his person in the earth. Well, may I ask you this? How am I to lay my hand on you to be healed? What do I got? Nothing. Who am I? Except dunamis. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. You see do you see it? How do you lay hands on the sick for them to be healed? You have been anointed with dunamis. The Holy Ghost and power. By what authority do you go to do these things? Well, they asked that to Peter and John. After he, Peter and John, at the gate of the temple called Beautiful, had the lame man healed, who rose up and walked, by what power or by what authority? Now notice over there, go to the third chapter. We're at chapter 2 to go to chapter 3. After the lame man walked, look at verse 12. Verse 12. And he said, Peter saw, he answered unto the people, ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this, or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power and holiness we made this man to walk? He didn't do it. But in verse 16, he says how it's done. His name, that's authority, delegated authority. His name, that's the exousia. His name, through what in his name? Hallelujah. There it is again. Faith. Faith and power. Faith in his name hath made this man strong whom you see and know. The faith which is by him hath given his perfect soundness in the presence of ye all. In the fourth chapter, verse 7, when they questioned them, and when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power? By what dunamis? By what power? By what dunamis? See? 
By what power have you done this? By what power or by what name or authority? By what dunamis and what authority? By what power and by what name? There's a power and there's a name involved here. We found out that you did something by a power and a name. By what power and by what name? It was by dunamis and exousia. It was the dunamis, the miracle-working power of God, and it was the exousia, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who has all authority in all three worlds. And he went on to say that very thing. Look what he said. If we be examined, uh, verse 8, Peter filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he's, by what means, by what means he's made whole, See, here's the means God uses. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him that this man stand before you whole. What was God's way of healing? Jesus. Exousia and dunamis. Who's been given that power? We've been commissioned to go with that power, with that authority, in that name. Now, I'll go one step further. In the fourth chapter, look at verse 33. I'm only highlighting this for you because I want to get more in. Are you ready for this? And with Great, what? Power. And, see, this was after their prayer. After they got rid of Peter and John. And they went and prayed up a storm, so to speak. A storm of God's glory. And they came back, you know, they reported all that the chief priests and elders said unto them. And they didn't just, you know, gripe and complain. They said, Father God, grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may speak thy word by stretching forth your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be wrought by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And the place was shaken where they was assembled together, and they was all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. And with great power gave they witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them. Great power. Great power. Things that I do shall you do also, and greater, because they had great power. Great power. They gave witness. Now let me show you something. I'll show you that that power is in you. Go over to Ephesians, the first chapter. We'll hurriedly get these in. We've got the clothes here in a minute. We want to get these scriptures in. Ephesians 1. Paul, in his prayer to the church at Ephesus, I want you to note what he prayed. He said that the Father of glory would give unto you the spirit of wisdom. Revelation in the knowledge of him. That's verse 17 and 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the exceeding greatness of uh, riches of the glory of his inheritance of saints. And look at verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his what? Of his dunamis. What is the what? The what? 
exceeding greatness of his dunamis, of his miracle-working power, to who? To usward, who what? Who believe, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall I do also, and greater works shall he do, because I go to my Father, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? We believe. That's why in his name we can do all these things, see? Okay, there it is. Another scripture, third chapter. You've read it many times, verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding, here we have that word again, abundantly above all that we ask or think according unto the dunamis that worketh in you. What did he give his disciples to heal the sick with? Dunamis and exousia. What's going to heal you? Dunamis and exousia. Okay? Now, another scripture I think we've read over and over and over and over and over. I think we need to be more familiar with this word. He said in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of dunamis. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of dunamis and of love and of a sound mind. See, I'm showing you the word, the Greek word, for a reason. To show you it's the same dunamis, the same power that Jesus healed the sick with. Dunamis, miracle-working power. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but God has given you, in other words, the spirit of dunamis. By his spirit. Do you see? Now, the reason why I'm pointing this out to you is because, first of all, if you want to get, stay healed yourself, you've got dunamis in you to heal your body. Just look to the dunamis that's in you. The power that worketh in you. It's God which worketh in me mightily. And it'll heal your body. If you draw from the dunamis, don't hide yourself from your own flesh. Let it heal your body first. Then it'll ooze out of you to heal the body of others. Okay? That's what he's saying. Another scripture before we close. Colossians 1.13 Who hath delivered us from the... Now here's not the word dunamis, but the word exousia delivered us from the power or the authority of darkness. See, not only do we have authority over Satan's kingdom and his working, his miracle-working power, but we've been delivered from his authority. See, he had authority over us at one time, but Satan no longer has authority over us or our bodies. So we have been delivered from the power or the authority of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the Son of His love. That's why we have all this power and authority over all the power of the enemy, which involves the healing of our bodies. Now, if we can get one more scripture on, we'll close here. I wanted to show you something about this in Mark 6. I gave you all that so I can continue on our lesson in Mark 6. And we'll close it right here. I believe we can get this on. Even though this was so powerful, even though this was so mighty, even so this dunamis that Jesus cared about in his person saturated his clothing, that dunamis could be made ineffective by unbelief. Look at the, sixth verse, or look at the second verse of chapter 6. Mark 6. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue... And many hearing, 
him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things, and what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are done or wrought by his hands? He laid his hands upon the sick, and they recovered. Mighty works are wrought by his hands. The dunamis went out of his hands to heal, right? He laid his hands on them, and they were all healed. Virtue went out of him, and they were all healed. Okay. Look at verse 5. Now, he could there do no mighty work. Now, he did mighty work elsewhere. It says right there in verse 2, mighty works are wrought by his hands. But he could there do no mighty work, save except that he would lay his hands upon a few with minor ailments, one translation says, and heal them. Now, it's safe to say that the dunamis, the miracle working power, which we said is activated by faith, faith, the work of faith and power, the work of faith. But he could there do no mighty work because, not because the power wasn't there, but because the faith wasn't there to activate the power to do the work. So we can, you know, say this, and I believe judge it righteously, if we say that unbelief then stops the effect of the dunamis or drastically reduces the effect or the working of dunamis in an individual's life so that even when coming in contact with that dunamis, it won't work. It won't work. See? So, what did he do to alleviate this problem? Next verse says, he went about teaching. Now I know why the teacher's ministry is important to the church. To teach them how to have faith to receive. See how it worked? So the dunamis was ineffective where the faith wasn't there. Well, we'll close it right there because i got other things to get in. So the power was drastically reduced where unbelief was. Close it right there. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.